Welcome back to System Minutes Trivia, the podcast where we have robotic co-hosts. This is Brent. One, three. And I'm Whoopsie-Doo. That was J-Thought. Apparently he turns, he's turned into a numbers station. <laughs> Why one, three? My programming told me to say <laughs> Oh my gosh. Get out of here. Um, okay. It did. <laughs> Don't question me. I am the co-host for my notice beta. I feel like we could absolutely question that. Do you guys hear that? Yeah, what, yes. is that? what is that? It's annoying. That's the sounds of the switches on my flight yoke, and they're so solid. Did it? Did it you? Work? They're just did great you fix switches. Does it work now? Yeah. Is it fixed? Yeah. Eventually, I got off the call with the guy. I was just like, I'm sending this back. He sent me a return label. Later, I got a second person to help me because it's a two-person mm. job, and it's fixed. So now I'm not going to send it back. And basically their whole thing is like, oh, you have to completely disassemble and reassemble it while you're on video with us. And it's like, well, you obviously can't tell now if I did it after the fact. Obviously. Well, they also can't hold you to and that unless... because of the, the Magnuson. Was it? Well, well they Moss also Magnuson. probably don't listen to our podcast, so this confession is meaningless. Well, I mean, if it goes to court, I think Eric going to find but... it. But you're fine because of the Moss Magnuson. You're good. Nobody's gonna find it if we if okay, it goes to court me, because you're not gonna put it in the show. Let notes. me ask you this question: It's gonna be in the audience, right? Thought... Yeah, but nobody's gonna listen just to see like did he talk about they, the you don't know that, that. They, 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 they might. might. They, they might. could. They absolutely. Might. It depends on how you, serious you don't they know. About it. It's it's not off limits. You don't know. You don't know. Okay. Do you? Okie dokie. No, you don't. All right. You don't suck it. So, did you or did you not fix it? it He said said it's working now. Yeah. Great. Because I was tired of you whining about it. It was like every night. (laughs) Do you guys want to see a video of me flying a plane? No, 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 we really don't. So, tonight we'll be talking about essentially figuring out when to update software. The entire software management maintenance cycle that you should implement in-house but before we get into that did you guys want more bands it's a, we're only three minutes in no Wait, ask me what i'm oh. drinking we should bant a little bit more but yeah absolutely you guys want me to drink and we could bant about the drinks okay yeah because i mean jathan's gonna take like 15 minutes to talk about it. yeah i have a <laughs> yeah, story to go you, with you always do just, just get to the point of what he's drinking so we're gonna hands. switch it up because i i lose track when jathan goes on one of these rants <laughs> Peyton and i are gonna talk about what we're drinking first because we this take about bullshit. two seconds each this is and the only then reason Jathan, i do this Jathan, it takes us two seconds, yeah. bitch. Quit whining. I'm it's drinking, not just uh, talking about your drinks, either. I'm drinking Guinness Draft. Peyton, what are you drinking? Nice, nice, nice. I am drinking water. I got my COVID shot yesterday, and I'm. Mm. it's the first one, so I'm not, like, down and out, but I'm definitely, like... You feel a little under the weather, so. yeah. Yeah, just, just a smidge. Just, just okay. you know. Cool. So, I'm drinking water, and... And happy... Yeah. I, I said this during uh, pre-meeting, but happy St. Patrick's Day. For those listening, Slaunch it would have been... A week and a half ago, so you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Jathan, do you have any Irish in you? He no. Right. You have to answer the question. Do you so. want a little bit? Do you want some? <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> he had to process it. <laughs> it, took him, it took him a good 30 seconds. Did to you know we were going to do about. that, Jathan? Yeah, did you know? Yeah, I had an idea. Okay. I, I don't think you guys are pretty I predictable. I don't think you know. Yeah. No, we're not. You couldn't predict us if we let you. He couldn't predict his way through <laughs> a, 
<laughs> a 1040 EZ. There you go. I'm starting to think of something really predictable. Sign this line, sir. Uh, where do I sign? On the this line, is, sir. This is a complete what? shock and surprise to me. Okay. Now, Jathan, what are you drinking? So, there's this liquor store in Boulder that has this weekly thing called the Sunday Special. Mm. So, Brent, how are you doing today? You doing good, buddy? And No, no, we're, we're being fair. It is a one-day okay. sale, basically, every week on Sunday, and they have pretty good deals. So, mm-hmm. this time, we were already on our way through Boulder, so we decided to stop and grab some booze. Mm. And this, in particular, was something from New Belgium, which is up in Fort Collins, called Mountain Time Premium Lager. It's kind of like their take on, like, a light-ish beer. It's not super light, like calorie wise. That just sounds like goat urine. Well, just just listen here. So here's the thing. So <laughs> okay, I only briefly like scanned the Sunday specials. I just saw it was there, saw it was a sale. I was like, oh hey, Katie went in. Could you pick these up? Mm-hmm. So she came out with it, and it's a box of fifteen cans, which is like a weird number, right? Yeah. Each can is. Let me double check. One pint, three point two fluid ounces. So nineteen point. Two fluid ounces. And on the outside of the box that they came in, in big, bold letters, it says, Do not sell as 15-pack can. (laughs) So, uh... What? A a, a 15... I'm sorry. Back up. What? I don't understand It came as a pack of 15 of these weird-sized cans. They're 19.2 ounces. Mm -hmm. And on the box, on the outside of the box, it says, Do not sell as 15-pack can. So I assume they're supposed to be sold individually or somehow else, but they turned it into a Sunday mm-hmm. special, so I have 15 of them. Well, presumably they're supposed to, I would guess, when they're phrased that way, it's because they're supposed to be available as sold as individual units. But if you're That's buying, if, you're sell, if you have a deal going on where you're selling X number of units for a certain price, and the, you know, the bulk of that product is X number of units. Why wouldn't you just give them X or give them, you that's, know, give them the, the bulk package. That's sure. Right. I, I don't know. It makes sense to me. Absolutely. I'm not a lawyer, Absolutely. but I feel like that's okay. I'm not I saying think, it's, I think the wording is there because they don't want you to not to only sell it as that bulk unit. In other words, like they have to make it available to be purchased in the individual units. Oh, that's a distinct possibility. Well, too. I don't know. I'm just telling you what happened. I got it. Uh-huh. I tried it. It's ultimately. Does it taste like goat urine? No, it's not bad. It's uh, okay. it's not as light as like. Jason, how do you know what goat urine tastes like? <laughs> yeah, how do you how do you know what goat urine tastes like? Well, I grew up on a farm. Would you say that you? <laughs> Would you say that you I grew up on chosen a farm. to drink goat urine because it tasted better than like the water that you had? What? Is that what you would say? Yeah, I don't know what Peyton's saying. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay, so what was for clarity's sake, because we took many twists and turns to get there, what was the name of the beer? <laughs> New Belgium Mountain Time Lager. Okay. New 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 Belgian or New it Belgium? Like New Belgium. Belgium. Okay. All right. Oh, oh. It does sound like goat urine. It it uh, like it it sounds like a, euf- a euphemism for goat urine. Why? Right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. the whole like mountain water, like why would mountain you phrase time. It? That's all it's called. Mountain yeah, time. yeah. Why would you phrase it like that though? You know, it's it's kind of weird. Let desert. Mountain. Let the record show. Jathan has just signed into uh, Discord and has finally seen 
the gifts. I didn't. I just finally gifts. responded because okay. he's had it open the whole time. Because goat just, urine. You know, is that is that what got you, Jason? Yep, that's what got. I feel like you've said way weirder stuff on air before. He, he had literally. That's the way I like to duck, and I'm <laughs> I have a strong working knowledge of, of glory holes. I mean, the come modem on, man. noises. He has said some. The modem noise, the absolutely. Noise. I mean, come on, man. The VPN, yes. All of his little quirks are add up to way more than anything crazy yeah. here, I could say. Yeah. Jathan, what noise does Ram make? Ram, not a Ram. Like, not the animal. Yeah, what, what, but... what noise does Ram make? Yeah, I just made it for like a minute straight. Let's hear it again. Okay. It's, it's just... What is it? Is the box turned off? Why is it just silent? Dude, Ram doesn't make any noise. <laughs> Not there to VPNs. Yes, they do. <laughs> no, Have you ever been inside a VPN? What noise? What noise does a VPN make? Doop 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 doop. No, that's <laughs> loosely like that. It's loosely like that. Okay. Well, I was a different level of drunk that <laughs> night. Oh my god. Jason, I listen. I really do, do, enjoy do, do, this do, 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 do. That's make, a lot closer. That, yeah. There you go. That's a lot that's, closer. That's a. That's a. There you go. Good job. Good okay. job, Jason. Good job. I don't just have a. Okay. I don't memorize every. I believe they I were. Read. I believe they were boops rather than dudes. Boop 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 boop. boop. Yeah, that's that's a lot closer. I think. Okay, so okay. Hayden, can we insert the actual yes. VPN noise? Yeah. So it seems like I can just do it on command. Someone remind me when I'm doing the final cut. To do that, okay. Hey, hey, Brent. When you're doing no, the final cut, I, like, put in the like on the Friday night before release, remind me. Not now. <laughs> Peyton, what's your tip? Yes. Okay. So, in light of the April Fool's Day coming mm-hmm. up, my tip is to put a slash A on the PS One, which will be found in your Bash RC, your Bash mm-hmm. RC, of your favorite or least favorite coworker. You might be curious. The PS1 environment variable, that is. Export right, right, right. PS1. PS1 yeah. environment variable. Which is not the right, same right, variable right. that you would set outside of Bash. Right, yeah. That's Bash. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Although correct. most of them use, I think correct. Z-Shell uses well, PS1. Well, I did, I did reference the Bash, the Bash RC, so that should yeah, be... Yeah, Bash enough. RC, it'll work. It'll, it'll be fun, yeah. Yes, put that in the Bash RC, the PS1 environment variable, a slash A, and Jathan, do you know what the slash A does? Did you read the documentation on what a slash A does? I mean, I didn't know this is what you were talking about, so why would I have just gone looking for this? Because I you... have a prompt that oh I like quite well. Because we told you to do it, and then you said, what does it do? And we said, read, and clearly you Well, technically read. you said read. So I said, I guess he'll have to find out by trying it. Uh, but... I guess I'll have to find out by trying it, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm not interested in your shenanigans. What a <laughs> slash A does is it adds a beep or a ding to your depending PM. on your or ding desktop environment. It adds a significant noise to your terminal when you execute a command. Every command. Right. I hope you're ready for this. Every command. Yeah. I'll try it. Okay. Echo, let's just see what my prompt. Remember to source your bash RC. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to add it to my bash RC. Well, yep. Make sure you do echo dash you should. then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the, no, you the, the slash A is the terminal bell, is what it's called. Terminal bell. Ding! Ding, ding. yeah. In, in GNOME Terminal, it's that. ding. It's a by default. So is it a backslash? Obviously, it, yes. Like yeah, all other things a. in Linux. Yeah, so 
I don't think that was a great plan. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> what did you do? What did you do? Look at Discord. What is this? What do you look at Discord? What did you do? What did it do? You have to put it before the, the dollar sign. It can't go after the dollar well, sign. Well, you weren't clear. You actually know. Dude. Oh my god, are you are you Say serious that. right now? Are you Say that just are you fucked fucking serious right now? Okay, so I just did it before the what dollar the sign. Okay. I did the same thing, dude. Are you pulling my legs? <laughs> do you oh. actually like know how to do this? I just did it. Clearly you didn't. Oh goodness! Where's the? Where's the? What, what are you doing? Look at that! What prompt. is this that you're doing, dude? That's my normal prompt. I just added a freaking backslash a. That's, there's no way. It, it that's your normal prompt, dude. Oh my god! What is that? I'll, that is is that is that, is, that is, or no? Is that, that's that's. I mean, I would think bash. that's bash. Yeah, it says Look, bash, dude. This is a new shell. Line. This uh-huh. is literally my prompt. Yeah, but it's not like okay. Compare that where you type in the command. <laughs> yeah, and then compare that to the giant mess above it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you see? No, it's I'm the not same, looking. Dude. I'm we, not. We look. have to. We have to put this in the. I'll place the same. Yeah, oh, we, we will. We will. Look, I'm gonna try it again. I'm gonna try it again. No, 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 Jason. Okay, it's printing I... out your raw prompt. Is what I'm yeah. getting. Yeah. Right. Why is it doing what that? What did you do? What are you talking about? What do you mean, what am I talking about? <laughs> oh, you mean, what did I do? Yeah, <laughs> I what, what did, did you do? What happened? All I did was export that variable. Is that not... Yeah, but... In the middle of a session, is that not kosher for one reason or another? No, that's fine. I just, uh, like... Well, dude, I, honestly, look God, at, no, Jathan, look change at your the prompt mess to be the same as mine and see if it no, is reproducible. Jathan, look at the mess it made. I can see the mess yeah, it made. The mess. I can see I the can mess. See the mess. <laughs> I don't know. What is this? Is this that's, what you want me to do? The, no, that's the one I'm using as of late. I don't care. What I want <laughs> you to do is set it to be the same as mine. Uh huh. And then I want to see what happens. Here, I'll take it straight from my bash RC. Uh huh. Is it because I'm missing quotes? Yes. It absolutely is because you're missing quotes. Yes. Well, why didn't you just say that? It because look at it. You have to put quotes around it. How do you not know that? <laughs> what the hell, dude? I don't... Also, make sure, you have to make sure you're properly escaping. Shit. It looks like you are, but I'm not reading through the entire thing just to make sure. Okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> He's got everything in there right, but he didn't have the quotes around it. So, of course it's gonna scroll. so how do I tell it to like pick Jesus. up my new prompt? Just export it. I did. Yeah, just export it with quotes. I did. Nothing happened. It should be immediate. No, what I'm seeing... No, nothing's happening, dude. I'm echoing a command. There's no beep. Echo it out to us. Let us well, see. it could be that your terminal emulator has terminal beep disabled. So what is it? Set dash yeah. B true? Maybe, or it's set on the terminal emulator's end. There's like five different places where it can be set. Now, what terminal are you using, first of all? Termite. Well, this well, is the shittiest tip ever because it doesn't even work. No, it does. It does. It, I work guarantee it does on a stock you don't know install. How to fucking do it right. If someone has not customized oh their shit, god. I guarantee it oh works. Oh my god! All right. Well, this is stupid. Don't ever do what they're telling you to do. No, you can do it. Just don't do it to yourself. It, it, it nobody really would want to do it anyway. What? Yeah. 
Nobody would want to do it anyway, so what's the point of this? For April Fool's, Jathan, where have you been for the last ten minutes? Jesus! It's, it, yes! Like, what the hell, man? Man. How do you not get I don't, this? I, Jason, Whoever does this is, is an April Fool. Son, I am disappointed. You're an April Fool. I am disappointed, too. I can't believe that you, of all people, can't figure this out. I mean, I figured it out. It doesn't do anything. It does. It does. It does. It just is disabled. 1,000% does. Drop, you know what? Drop to a TTI on some machine and do it there. I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're busy doing all what? Right. Nothing? He's cranking it. Anyway. He's cranking anyway. it on air. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Let's guys, let's move on. How does that sound? Okay. Okay. So anyway, that was that was my yeah. tip. It was meant to be a lighthearted mm-hmm. here's a cool thing you can do, but of course Jathan ruined that. So thank you, Jathan. Yeah, way to go, Jathan. And we'll be sure to include these. Why don't you just play you around with that now. earlier, Jathan? Why, Why did, I didn't Jesus. know you were gonna mention it? <laughs> we even said Brent, you should go ahead and grab these now so he doesn't delete them or anything like what? that. You know, the sh- no, Jathan, just the, don't delete them until I get them in the show. Why notes. would I delete them? I'm not embarrassed. <laughs> I, I think you are. I would be to be. I'm sitting here extremely calmly okay. with zero intent to delete oh. those messages. Okay. I yeah, just did what you said to do. Okay. Well, you oh, did it wrong. All right. So. All right. Okay, guys, calm down. Stupid. I calm, mean, calm down. You Clam. calm down. Don't tell Clam. me to calm down. Has anyone Clam. ever calmed down? We told them to calm down. No, but I keep hoping someday someone will, and it'll be like, oh, actually, <laughs> one time someone did. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, so, we'll be talking about software updates and upgrades tonight. As operations team, mm-hmm. you know, systems admins and sys engineers and stuff like that, yeah, we need to evaluate the software being used in our infrastructure. Maybe even depending on how small your company is, maybe even the public services that your company offers go team go team why not go team venture and in doing so sometimes it behooves you to use a newer version of software and sometimes it doesn't so i'm gonna start with jathan because he's got a lot of energy tonight he's super high energy jathan what criteria can you think of what are some criteria that would determine when to upgrade a certain software and when to maybe hold back off on that. Okay, well... Now, can I ask a question really fast before we sure. before he gets into that? I'm going to go on by for software, a while. Are you, yeah. By software, are you referring to just software? Like, outside of kernel or OS I think upgrades? I think OS... I think that counts well, as software. What I'm going to... I just wanted to make sure that that was... All oh, yeah, yeah. That's, because that's what I want to talk about sure. is... Like, I, I mean, I have some stuff to talk about. I mean... I have a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so that's in scope. Go and he can ramble for like an hour, and then I've got plenty to. Because a couple times I've had to say something, and you're like, "Oh, that's not really what I had in mind." Right? But no, that okay. is that is what. Yeah, I'm, we're going to educate yeah. now this episode. Okay, so <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> My so, gosh, the big thing is there's two things. So I want to say the first point that I'm going to make is not the only point you should consider, but mm. certainly an important one. Let's say we have CentOS seven and CentOS Stream. Because CentOS 8 is basically not going anywhere, right? We know. Yeah. Well, it's it's currently versioned to stream, and it yeah, it's weird. Well, it's, it's weird, but they're calling it's it going CentOS into light 8 before stream. CentOS 7, though, or CentOS Stream 8, rather, is what they're calling it currently. But yeah, it's going to yeah, it's going the way of the dodo. 
So whatever. But anyway, so let's assume, though, you're thinking about upgrading from CentOS 7 to CentOS 8. Let's pretend CentOS 8 is not going away, and that's logically the next upgrade you would have. Sure. Red Hat. We'll use Red Hat RHEL as an example, then. Yeah, sure. Red Hat 7, you're like, do I move to Red Hat 8 yet? Well, very first question you should ask yourself, let's assume, okay, CentOS 7, we don't have to assume, is supported through 2024. Sure. So it's not like you're going to lose security updates tomorrow. So you don't have to update <laughs> for that reason, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why is that funny? Come back to me. Okay. You'll find okay. out. Okay. Okay, so security-wise, you know, you're fine for mm-hmm. at least three years. So ask yourself this question first. Will my software stack or whatever I'm actually running on my servers actually run on Red Hat 8? For example, if you run a bunch of Python web applications that rely on UWSGI, mm. they're not going to run on Red Hat 8 because UWSGI isn't packaged for Red Hat 8 because apparently Red Hat is trying to drive people away. Well, no, that's that's not why, but... Well, they don't have a good reason why. They don't. I mean, they are maybe a little bit short-staffed, so they claim, but yeah, there's there's no real Big good deal. reason why. I'm short-staffed, I still get my packages built. <laughs> Okay. Keep... Also, there are literally people in the comments for the issue who are like, oh, it's building fine here like this. Yeah. Yeah. Like they could just copy and paste the, but the anyway. spec, RPM spec. Yeah, yeah, spec. But anyway, so. It is a little bit more complex than that, to be fair, but. But no. <laughs> not really. Though. Okay. It's not, it no, would take Apple, somebody like an hour. Apple you, doesn't support you know the, the module they, system. They read the documentation. Yeah, they didn't read the documentation. <laughs> yeah, they clearly didn't. So I'm pretty convinced that's why CentOS 8 is dying, is because UWSGI is not able to be run on it. That's it's impossible. The, the only... That's the cause of his death. And they finally so decided to just throw in the towel. They're like, if we can't get you to this <laughs> going, we should not do this. Uh-huh. Wow. I think yeah. it might actually have been okay. PHP that did that, in all seriousness. It's a little bit of a reach, the, but okay. They had a similar issue with PHP. So, very first thing right there, yes. Make sure that your software will actually run on, yep. you know, in this case, in my example, Redhead. Or you have a suitable and well-tested alternative, yes. I would say. As long as you have an upgrade path option. Yeah, that's like ground zero, like bare yeah. necessity, yeah. And, you know, depending on what you're testing, there's a lot of ways to achieve this. Like, mm-hmm. if you're talking about a web application that's load balanced, you have three servers, maybe two of them you keep on CentOS 7, and one day during low traffic, you throw the third one running CentOS 8 in the rotation. Oh, like an AB sure, kind of a thing. And make sure that it's still, yeah, nobody notices a difference, basically. Obviously, depending oh, well, on what you're doing... Either. Yeah, maybe uh, depending on what you're actually doing, what kind of application stack or whatever you're talking about, that may or may not be possible, but it's one idea for how you could test without taking a full downtime or anything else. Right. So that's number one, is does my software actually run on a newer operating system or a version of Postgres or MySQL or whatever the hell you might be talking about? Mm -hmm. Number two, though, and kind of what I touched on, is security. Are you updating because you're forced to update because you're going to be out of some kind of compliance because you're not going to get security updates anymore because you're still using CentOS 6? He's like five becauses <laughs> in that sentence. Well, I'm a very verbose man. <laughs> I, uh, all right. Because I can. All right. In that case, you might be forced a little bit more to make less than ideal choices about moving to a newer version. Adapt and overcome. And in that case, you know, let's say let's say this is really the example. You're on CentOS 6. You haven't upgraded yet. Do you go to 7 or do you go straight to CentOS Stream or Red Hat 8 or whatever the case may be? Mm-hmm. You have to evaluate that for yourself, which or, is going to be a smaller reach, or which Rocky is going to last Linux. longer, 
there's a lot of things. What? Or Rocky Lytics. Oh, God. Don't even <laughs> mention that. Don't Sorry. give them the free press. Sorry. To our eight fans. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Keep going. Keep we going. have we have more than eight fans. We we have at least nine. So, you know, that's a hard question, and it's kind of the same thing. If both versions, CentOS Seven and CentOS Eight, or I should say Red Hat, because CentOS Eight really isn't going to be a thing, but well, it if is Red a Hat thing. Seven. It, it's a thing right now, but it's end of life is like next year already. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, if your choices, you're on Red Hat Six. You have extended support from Red Hat. You know you need to jump to Red Hat 7 or 8. Mm-hmm. Where do you go from there? Well, if your software will run on either, in my mind, I would go straight to Red Hat 8. Mm. Because you're going to have to make similar changes either way, right? Like the mm-hmm. init system is different. Package versions are clearly going to be probably newer. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to test that kind of compatibility. But depending, maybe that won't be a reach that you can make. So then you're kind of forced. Okay, well, we're going to go from Red Hat 6 to Red Hat 7. But in any case, you have to make the choice because of a security reason, right? You're not going to be able to get updates for Red Hat 6 anymore. You're, you know, somebody in your your compliance department says, look, we got to update these. There's no other choice. You guys figure it out. Like, that's the thing that happens. So those are just two things to consider about when it's time to update, in my mind. Yeah. Like, in my mind, if, let's just say, hypothetically, we're on Red Hat 8 now, and in two years, Red Hat 9 is coming through the pipes... Well, if Red Hat 9 right out of the box supports my application and, and what I'm doing... You might want to hold off. Well, no, I could start thinking about it any time. I think sooner mm. is better to start planning, at least. Okay. All right. But if I... there's a reason that you couldn't update immediately because something isn't supported on Red Hat 9 yet, well, then, obviously, don't invest any time in it. See where Red Hat 9 development goes over the next year or two after that. That's mm-hmm. my opinion. I would rather be ahead of the curve than behind, because if you do run into any issues... You've still got time before you are out of some kind of security updates. But the sooner the better because it just puts the problem further down the road of having to do it again. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Okay. Hayden, what, what thoughts do you have on this? So here's the thing. I run SLES 11, mm-hmm. which is like 15 years old. I, well, and I think it's only the, like five, but yeah. No, no, no. SLES? Okay. The SLES 11 is... It's much older than you think it is. Oh, no, I know, I know it's old, but... But I, I, I don't yeah. know. The point is not the age of the, of the operating mm-hmm. system. The point is that it's been end of life for a while now, and... Oh, holy shit. We're actually... No, you're right. Celeste 11 came out August 31st, 2000. Nope. Nope. 2000. No, 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 no. Nope. Yes. SUS Linux Enterprise Server 11 was released on March 24th, 2009. What are you talking about? SUSE Enterprise Linux came out in 2000. Okay. 11 okay. came okay. out in 2009. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, okay. you're right. The, the, I, yeah, the, Google's wrong. The point is not that. The point is that we're it's paying for shit. LTSS. Yeah. Yeah. It's still yes, old. Yes, it's old as shit. And we're paying for LT- we're paying uh-huh. for a long-term support of an OS that doesn't even have, like, I don't even want to get into it. Like, it's so old that all the new stuff that the kernels are doing, it can't do because it doesn't have the kernels. Mm-hmm. Like, we just got a kernel update this last Patch Tuesday, and we haven't had one in, like, six mm-hmm. months. My point is, we made, we were going to try to go to SLES 12, which had SystemD, it had the new kernel and everything. Something happened, I'm, I'm not sure what, and so they decided we're going to try Debian. Mm. So they tried Debian it's a pretty 7, big jump. which then... It is. You go from RPN to Debs yeah. and some other stuff. And, and I'm not a big fan of Debian. Mm-hmm. And they did Debian 7. 
and then that end of life, and then they did Debian 8, and that end of life, and the decision was then made, well, let's go with RHEL. Mm. So they did RHEL 7, and then they're like, wait a minute, we should do RHEL 8, mm-hmm. so we can stay ahead of the curve, and so now we're doing RHEL 8. So I guess my whole point is, if you're paying extra money for your OS to have extended support, make sure that it's actually doing things you want it to be able to do. Right. And you're not just holding right. on to a crippled economy because you think it's better. I mean, we were supposed to be switched over to RHEL like last year. Obviously, COVID hit and that didn't help. Right. But now we're doing all these migrations and it's not going as smoothly or as easily. You wish you started earlier, basically. Right. Yeah. Right. If we had started this time, if we had started this time two years ago, we would not be like SLES 11 is gonna the LTSS is gonna expire this year. Mm. So like we're in a major time crunch. We have like six or eight months, I think, to be able to get to the point where we're not on SLES on crit, on a critical system. Mm. And you know, there's minimal testing as far as I can tell going mm. on for some of these these apps that are going into RHEL. We still don't have like file system sizes figured out. Users too small. You know, like just it's. We're like shotgun blasting it out there. Right. And my whole take on this is we should have figured out a baseline for everything, determined it was good like two years ago, and then started doing like piecemeal move outs, migrations, whatever, Mm -hmm. instead of just, okay, here's our base image. Is it good? Eh, we'll figure it out. Mm. What the hell? You know, like it's just whack, man. It's, It's just whack. And then they're actually talking about taking... So we have a lot of JBoss, Java applications. And they're talking about taking, like they have servers that have one or two on them now, and they're going to make them have like five or six. Oh, like consolidation. So we're going to see, yeah, but these apps run so, I, I just can't, I can't, I can't think about it. Mm. I just, it's, it's You're having a hard decisions time. being made that, yeah, it's decisions being made that ultimately I think are going to be, bad for everybody involved because now the developers are going to get yelled at because apps are running slow or crashing and then we're going to get yelled at because apps are slow and crashing and we're going to have to go back to the developers and they're going to come back to the people and it's just going to be a whole lot of blame game when if we had ideally not had a, a pandemic to deal with we could have i don't know i feel like we could have done it better mm. but anyway i digress i i feel like you know there. You don't necessarily need like a committee or a group or whatever, but you really should go through and, you know, just verify that your systems are working the way they should be. Like, you check your logs. Like, we had a, a deal. We had this application that Java, an update to Java, broke the workaround they were using in an older version of Java. And they told me, okay, you can't update past this version because we don't want to fix the workaround we wrote to work with this new version of Java. And I'm just like, okay, like that doesn't make sense to me, you know, mm. like fix your shit, you know, fix the problem so that we can keep, we can update the version of Java we need to update because otherwise you're talking about vulnerabilities, you know, you're talking about security holes, you're talking about exploits, like, like it's just not conducive to me to not be able to update stuff or make sure it works right. Mm. That's my take. That's my take. So it's kind of a, a juggling game, right? Because yeah. with yeah. each release that you want to deploy, ideally you mm-hmm. should be testing it, right? 
Well, sure. And sure. you do. You have dev, you have test, you have stage, right, you have prod. Right. And ideally, like, you should. <sighs> I don't know. Like, you have to kind of look you risk analysis basically right like if something right. something can go wrong so we have to factor that in like how valuable is this update is it something we need you know and end of life is a perfectly valid justification for risk i think that's probably the strongest one it's probably i probably say end of sure. life thing is is the driving force of most updates in the commercial side of the world yeah and you also kind of have to think about i guess like there are a lot of unknowns anytime you update software, right? Because as you normally sure. operate, if a bug is encountered, you know about that bug. And you've been collecting this sort of, I guess it's like an experiential validation of yeah. the version you're currently on for years or months or whatever. And then you have this new version where you have zero experiential trust in it. You know, it's all and it's all implicit trust. So... That is something that plays into it, into that risk benefit analysis as well. And yeah, Jathan, as you were mentioning, it is great and it is nice to be ahead of the curve, but there's a severe cost sometimes involved in keeping ahead of the curve. So you kind of have to be strategic about it where you want to slingshot a little bit. And that's basically the, the philosophy behind LTS releases, right? Is like it's staggered. So you have one release, and that's that EOLs after the release of another LTS. So then that gives you time to test in your testing environment these intermittent releases between those LTSs. So you know kind of what changes you might need to make to your in-house infrastructure, software, you know, your in-house developed software, stuff like that. And then that gets you in a position where you, you can say, with a reasonable amount of confidence, not 100% confidence, but reasonable, that you're like, okay, yes, on this next LTS release, we are going to be able to migrate. Because otherwise, like, depending on how complex things are, you're going to be testing, and by the time you're done testing, the next release is, is out, the, the next non-LTS release. So right. LTS in that aspect does have a significant amount of value, I would say. Sure. I mean, my issue is not necessarily that we're on LTS and it's going to expire soon. Mm -hmm. My issue is that we've been on LTS for far too long and we're stuck now, or at least we were, we were stuck on a system that had no, we couldn't grow with it. Mm. Like, yeah, we had our server builds down. Yeah, we had all this down, but I mean, we weren't getting anything but, you know, I think I'm suggesting major security. I think I'm suggesting the opposite philosophy there. Where it's okay if you're not, if it's okay however long you're on an LTS release, as long as number mm-hmm. one, it works. That's the most important. Sure. And number two, it's not EOL. That's the thing you really need to be concerned about, I think. That should be, yeah. that should be like your, your driving decision, yeah. I would say. But, well, when we deployed Debian, I, can't, I think we did Debian 7 mm-hmm. right off the bat. They have a shorter EOL and... window than Celeste, right? They do. Yeah. They do. It was it was quick. I think it was like two years or whatever. Yeah. And as soon as we deployed it, this was when Forge was working with us. He's like, "Hey, uh, Seven's EOLing," and we're like, "Okay." Or the plot ops was like, "Okay," and so they did eight, and then all of a sudden it was like, "Wait a minute, actually eight's EOLing too." Mm. Like, and we haven't even finished testing. Yeah. And we haven't even finished testing, and it was like, "Well, okay," and so it was this weird. Well, we were gonna do Debian. Now we're gonna. Oh, what are we? 
like they were sent off, stored around, other stuff, and finally they settle on Rel. And it's just like, I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying. If it works, don't change it. But right. You're also getting to a point where what security updates can you actually get now at this point? Right. Like, and for what it's worth, I, like I think getting... with in your particular company's instance, this is going to be true for every company, but mm-hmm. in your right. company's instance, I think Rel was the correct choice. Oh, yeah. You know? Ab- absolutely. I mean, it's a modern OS. It has System D in it, which I know System D has its haters, but the boot up times are so much faster. Well, even more, I mean, Debian and... has all that, but what Rail has that Debian mm. doesn't yeah. is number one, enterprise support, which you guys are mm-hmm. absolutely going to need to rely on. They have yeah. formal SLAs bound by contract. Right, they right, have, right, right. you know, there is an accountable accountability partner there. You have a lot yeah, of benefits I, I with Rel that yeah. you don't have with Debian in your context. And right. with the kind of longer life cycle that you have your deployments in, they do mm-hmm. offer extended support for that. And whereas Debian, once it EOLs, it's done. You know, it's gone. Yeah, that's that's so that's what we determined was Yeah. Yeah, there were like they're literally I was uh, I was going to patch a Debian seven or eight system and it was EOL and there were no packages at all whatsoever. Yeah. Like it was nothing. Yeah. So that's like I think they're I think it said that there might have been like, like a bug fix, yeah. <laughs> but not, you know, yeah. it wasn't going to be like kernel patches or whatever. Yeah, when, when so they say I, they, I told, they're archiving, they the mean it. Nope. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they, they are serious about it. So there is no real really, forward path yeah. for your company in that in that sense. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I am perfectly fine with staying with something that works. Mm-hmm. Like you said, if it works, it works. Stay with it until it's EOL. Once it's EOL, okay, bye. See yeah. you. You know? That makes perfect and total honest sense, and I'm I'm fine with that. I think the issue that I have more than anything else is that we were starting to get, you know, stuck, mm. and you know you can't. I feel like you couldn't write good software for what we currently have. Mm. You know, like it wasn't going to be as sustainable. And then this whole Oracle licensing issue yeah. popped up. So I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's a thing so i guess i just want i guess my whole thing is just i agree with you if it works it works try not to run it until it's eol like try to try to move to something else before it eols mm-hmm. but i mean there's no there's no reason to, to push off of CentOS 7 like if you're on CentOS 7 there's no reason to push off of CentOS 7 you know or Slaz 11 mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Unless it doesn't work for you or at EOLs. Unless it doesn't yeah. work for you. Yeah, I would say those are the two driving decision yep. makers. Jathan, you've been awfully quiet. The thing is, it doesn't just become EOL. Like, yeah. we know four years ahead of time when mm-hmm. CentOS 7 is going out of support. Yeah. So if you sure. run into that deadline, then you're just a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 you are. I mean, or those yes, making the policy are. decisions are idiots. It's not always your yeah. decision. But, but I mean, yeah. it's like, obviously. You have a long time to plan for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And the I, nice I thing about about things like Salt and Ansible, and I presume Chef and Puppet. I have never used either Chef or, or Puppet, so I, I can't speak to those directly. But with Salt, it's really easy in Salt. And to a lesser extent, Ansible, you can filter and create different conditional tasks, you know, procedures to run based on the version of the operating system, for instance, or the version of yeah. software. So yeah, 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 we're doing. It that gives you plenty right of time now. to roll that into your Backer. change management, into your config yeah. management, rather. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. so I, I highly recommend doing that. You know, don't just sit on your ass for four years and then one day wake up. Oh, it's EOL. You know, work towards being ready well, for that I mean, because then it's it's yeah. just reinstall done. Well, well and yeah. reinstall run the agent done. The whole point is, if you have, let's just say, four years of lead time there, mm-hmm. make it an every six month or even yearly conversation. Uh-huh. Maybe right now, today, you say, okay, we have four years. Do we want to take this on right now? Well, we have XYZ going on. We have this investor who's coming on board. It might create some kind of friction. Let's not do it now. Okay, we're going to revisit this exact same conversation in six months. Mm-hmm. Maybe in six months, uh, yeah, things are pretty light right now. The developers are... You know, they just closed out this project. They've got some bandwidth. Maybe now we should start testing on CentOS 8. I will like, say that's very unlikely for rollout. I agree, but for, it doesn't for make testing, it wrong. Yeah, no, it doesn't. For testing, you maybe have a better chance. Like, look, this is when EOL hits. This is how much time we need to be ready for it. So here's when mm-hmm. we need to start getting ready for it. And then that right. way you can have your config management shit done and developers can have their test beds ready to go. And they can start working on that so you can follow that timeline. But yeah, like, I don't think it's good. It would be a wise idea to approach that conversation that you were talking about, Jathan, with the mindset of, can we roll out early? Because you can't. Nobody will let you. Yeah, no, there's, there's always going to be an <laughs> but, issue where you can't roll. No, we can't roll out this, this, this early. But no, I think no, as long as you're approaching it with the. I don't know about that. Well, I, maybe I in smaller companies, but. Yeah, okay. So big, at yeah. my. At my previous employer, mm-hmm. which was, yes, a smaller team. Very small, yeah. But, I mean, there are some Red Hat 8 boxes floating around there because things worked that we needed to stand up there. Right. And there was no reason not to. It was just like, well, this is obviously going to have a longer lifespan than something on Red Hat 7, and it will work, so we mm-hmm. may as well do it. Well, and then Red Hat 8 point release kind of got canceled, so. Yeah, well. You know, so there's there's that, but. Not your problem. Well, nobody would have predicted that, though. Right, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. But the that's part of why you hold off on it, because you know that they're not they're very unlikely to break their EOL for an existing release. Oh, yeah. You know? I don't think they would ever. Right. So it is, you know, I'd say it's smart to stick to what you know and have, but prepare to switch. For me, I think it's, I think you guys really touched on the key things as to when to upgrade. Obviously, upgrade if you need to for the two key key mm. things we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it is a good idea to upgrade when you... I don't know how to put this. I guess when you, ha- when you come to the point where your infrastructure is so flexible that you're able to do rolling upgrades. Mm-hmm. Because then I would say there's no real reason not to if you have that redundancy in place. And you know your infrastructure, your farm, so to speak, can handle it. I would say there's no real reason against rolling that out. Because again, you've got conditional things with your your config management and things like that. That would allow for that. And then like Peyton was talking about a little bit, that does give you the chance to kind of test it live, so to speak. I shy away from maybe directly recommending that. Yeah, I would not. Yeah, but it does... I mean, it, it does give you a route where it's not this overwhelming weekend project or like week long, more, more accurately, where you're in a scramble to, you know, re-image all these machines to the next point release up or whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, if you so I'm of two thoughts or, or two schools of thought, two on spirits, that. obviously, if some 
Sure. If something works, you should try to, you know, maintain stability. Especially if it's like a mission critical app. But in reality, I mean, having uptime is great and well and fine and dandy. But if you have uptime, you're not necessarily patching or solving issues, you know. So, I mean, I feel like if a system needs to have stability, then obviously, yeah, you know, you're not going to put it on a point release or, you know, a rolling type of, of architecture or what have you. But I think there are other systems like, you know, web servers or whatever that you could absolutely keep on some sort of, you know, rolling system, some sort of upstream or whatever to make sure that you're on top of, of any security issues mm-hmm. without having to worry about, you know, I don't know, I lost my train of thought. But basically, I feel like stability is a two-way street. You know, yeah, I can keep my server up for 900 days, mm-hmm. but it's going to have all the zero days on it. You know, or I can have, I can have an hour of downtime a month or every two months or whatever, and have all the patches. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a nice mixture there where you can have your uptime and have, you know, you can have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, we've been you know, we've been taking a lot of time to-, to talk about like OS releases. But here, yeah. like, we've, we've well, been I totally mean, disregarding, like, past releases for the actual software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? Yeah, we also, yeah. you know, we talked about this super linearly mm. in that we were talking about migrating from one version of an operating system to another. Linearly? But what we didn't talk about is... You mean linearly? What did I say? Linearly. Linearly. Whatever. No, he said linearly. He said linearly. Oh, I heard linearly. Well, okay. whatever. Well, you heard wrong. I've had 19.2 <laughs> ounces of mountain time goat piss. <laughs> now, um... Oh, damn. <laughs> the new Mountain Dew. Now, the thing the is, we didn't... And I'm not saying we should go here with this conversation mm. because we've already been talking for a while, but it's something to think about that we haven't touched on is what if you're on something like Solaris? Mm. Yeah. yeah. And you're thinking about moving to Linux. That's a totally different conversation, potentially. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a well, huge jump. Uh, yeah. No kidding. Tell me about I, it. I mean, I can. I can tell you when we moved from JBoss six to JBoss seven. I mean, that was that was a huge jump for us. Mm-hmm. That was beyond. And that was even within the same product line. Like right. Forget right. like the, totally different. From, you know, kernel or or. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, the the differences from six to seven were. I'm not a developer, mm-hmm. so I, I was 100 percent on whatever they were doing, but. They had struggles. I Developers were doing like cocaine. Was... Payton said, I'm not on that. I'm definitely not on coke. But, I mean, they couldn't just, you know, undeploy and deploy into JBoss 7. They they had to rewrite a lot of their applications yep. to work with JBoss 7 because it changed just it just changed things from 6 to 7. Like, that was that much difference. Right. So, I mean, to not talk about OS, to talk about like, an application... You, that's why you have to have testing. That's why you have to be able to say, okay, I need to bring down this application. I need to upgrade the application and see if it's going to work or not. Like, you know, like, so testing is, I, I think, is the most important aspect of any sort of thing, yeah. whether it be an app migration, an OS migration, you know, changing from BSD to Unix. I mean, you know, you have to test all these things because they may not work the way you want them to. Mm-hmm. Or at all. On that note, or they may work very well. How many corporate environments do you guys think, like percentage-wise, how many of them are still using Python two in production code? Way too many. Way too many. I, like, Absolutely. At least I greater than well, anything greater than zero is way too many. It's end of life. But I would right. hazard a guess 
it's probably around 60 to 70 percent i was gonna say 60 yeah it feels right doesn't it i would agree with you on that it's definitely more than half Mm-hmm. Like, it's way it's way more than it should be, and like you said, anything greater than zero is, is too much. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing that bothers me too. Like the Calibri guy, he's like, "I'll just maintain." Yeah. It. Fuck you! You're no, not you maintaining won't. all because of now Python. I have to too. maintain. I have to maintain Python two for your fucking application. Fuck you! Change that shit to Python three. I don't care how hard it is. Do it. I'm amazed. You know that I don't care how hard I saw, it is. Yeah, <laughs> I just I don't either. It's not. It, it can't that's how Peyton got fired. I have a two part thing here. Nope. <laughs> I saw a discussion the other day about Arch potentially removing all of Python 2 from their repositories. And I like the idea. Okay. Of it. It's going to be a shit I love show. The idea. Oh, you're I talking about Arch? Yeah. Well, I'm talking about Arch. Dude, fantastic. that thread has turned into such a shit show. It, it has. It has. And it would be a shit show if they did it. But you know what? Somebody has to do it. Somebody has to take a stick, like, draw that line well, in the sand. Well, I just think that it's a waste of maintainer time. It is. It absolutely But there is. are maintainers in that thread who are like, but this is what I do. Yeah. Well, like, then, I don't know. Do something else? Work, work with the Calibri guy, I guess. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I think that finally got resolved. But... Yeah, it did. It, and that's... It, it, and but that no, was that's with you because... Yeah. Because, uh, first of all, I just think it's a waste of cycles, right? Mm-hmm. Like... Mm-hmm. Those people could be maintaining other packages, which I understand is volunteer time, so they should choose. But I also think sure. it just encourages people to keep using it. It does. I would say it does. Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly. the biggest would, issue to me. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. If I have to keep Python two on my computer because of Calibri or whatever, mm-hmm. well, fuck, I'm going to go ahead and keep writing in it. I mean, I've got it there. I might as well. Yeah. And you know, I, I mean, I don't really have that philosophy, but that's. I can guarantee you that's the thought that some other people have. Yeah. And it's like, no, stop that. Bad dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So I think that what we need to say is keep an eye on when things expire mm-hmm. and try to be ahead of the game on that. Yeah. You know? And if you can't maintain it, pass it up to somebody else. Yeah. There's no shame in that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like if the creeper guy had said, hey, you know, before he did finally transfer over if he'd said hey guys i need some help you know transferring this over to python 3 can you guys give me a hand i think the entire community would have been like absolutely let's go Mm -hmm. you know maybe i i mean it's it's pretty much the only option you have for ebook management on linux so i have a hard time believing that nobody would nobody would have helped yeah i thought that that finally got resolved though it did it did as a 5.0 calibra is now on python 3 Okay. Thank goodness. But my whole argument is, he's like, I'll just maintain Python 2, and the whole community is like, what? You yeah. know? And, and that's where I'm coming from. Like, obviously, he's changed it over, but this should never have been an argument in the first place. Like, yeah, you know, be aware of what you're doing. You know, that's like the Security Now guy still using XP two years ago. Mm-hmm. What the hell, man? Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about, want to talk about somebody using something stable for a long time, the Security Now guy was... He, I was watching, listening to his podcast like three years ago. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah, I just finally secured all of my XP systems." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, you're a security guy and you're still using XP in the knock? What? In the knock? Yes, yes." For those uh, so, listening who may not know and may be new to the industry, knock is Network Operations Center. It's where all the blinky lights are. All the blinking lights. All the blink das blinking lights. Yes. Das blinking lights. And usually you're going to find surly people in there that have the lights down low. Is that what's, what's, hopped up on what's the plural of, uh, form of DOS? Is it dare? Dare blinking lights? 
fuck have I known? No, I think it's us. We need a German. It's just us. We need a German. We, did you just say we need a German? Yeah. All right, be right back. Let me call up a German. <laughs> just tweet about it. Do you remember when you accidentally defended Hitler? I did not. You did. It's in the show notes. <laughs> what? Uh, masculine yeah. is der, the feminine is oh, die, the neutral das, D. and the plural is d. 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 Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, D. So the plural is D. D blinking. D blinking lights. Yeah, well, anyways, that's where they are. Das blinking lights is still. It sounds better, doesn't it? You can still say that. Yeah. It does. It does a little bit. But I'm not German, so please don't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, take my word as a salt here. Yeah. But. I mean, the, really, the, the thing about all of this is, is this shit is hard. Like, you've got to deal with people coming up to you. Hey, I forgot my password. Mm-hmm. You've got a hard, a failed hard drive on 4.5. You've got a server that's showing red lights on in the data center. And then you've got to worry about all your OSs and all your applications and your software to run those applications, whether they're out of date, whether they've got security vulnerabilities, whether they've got zero days, you know, like... All of these things, and how do you how do you manage all that time? Like you've got to have a team that's just doing OS verifications at some point, especially if you've got and you know how we can servers over hundred. You know how we can sum up this entire episode, guys. Don't use any computers. <laughs> Patch your shit. Patch your shit. That's what I was looking for. Thank you, Payton. Use Signal. Use Tor. Use Signal. Use Signal. Use Tor. Nothing oh, to do uh, with Signal. If they can't get to your shit, uh, doesn't Signal matter if you patch. Been banned in China, free Hong Kong. Yeah, free Hong Kong. I mean, honestly, I'm surprised it was not banned yet. Because duh. Yeah. But right. The that that does bring me to my closing remark. Okay. If you have a system that you absolutely cannot update. If you want to be my lover? No. If you have a system you absolutely cannot update, air gap. Air gap. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And if it, Only if it choice. needs network to do what it does, you're fucked. Well, not well, you necessarily. Can just have your, yeah, I mean, you, you could VLAN it and stuff, your, but well, you really should. It, it could have a dedicated firewall. Yeah, but you, or you really can just have should. Your technician come in and, and plug it to the internet. You, you, know, you the, really the, should the, the just air gap it at that point, though, if you can. I agree. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, Jathan, uh-huh. if I have forty-five systems, forty-five, like a record, like the number, and they're all on CentOS seven, is the loneliest number, except a third of them, they're on CentOS I eight. One was the How many number. servers are on CentOS eight? Seventy-five million. No, that's incorrect. I'll get it one of these days. Zepa? 62. Are you, are you, I'm still thinking about the record player. Are you, are you calculating? <laughs> He's calculating. It's 15. Yes. Jathan, now if those servers were Mollusca, <laughs> if they were clams... Clam AV? <laughs> if they're, if they're all running Clam AV, how many clams do you have? At least 10. I don't know. That thing is a lot of memory. <laughs> you are so close, Jathan. You're almost there. Come on. Fifteen. You can do it. Virus scanners? <laughs> Virus scanners? What? I'm trying so hard to hold it together, you guys. I just sometimes I can't. What are you saying? You know what? You know what, Brent? Mm. I, I, I think you're doing a great job. Yeah. You know, just just take a deep breath, mm. and he'll he'll figure out eventually. Woosah. 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 15 clams. Thank you, Jathan. Jathan, what are your 15 clams? Uh-huh. So I recently have 
All right, so when I used to work in an office still before the pandemic, I was somebody who always had a written to-do list. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I know we've talked... No, so when I came home, I just kind of stopped doing that. Part of it is that for a long time, when I started working from home, I didn't have a proper desk. Mm -hmm. Now I do have a desk, but it's still not really the size of a proper desk. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's like a a big desk the size of a small desk kind of thing. Um, I... (laughs) Like a big boulder the size of a small boulder? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. A small boulder the size of a large boulder. Oh, right, but, right, um, yeah. So, you know, at my, my old job, my work desk was huge, and I just had this spot that naturally... That's I could, what she said. A I single could put my, the size of 17 washing machines? I could put my planner, and it just worked, and that was great. But anyway, mm-hmm. I digress a little bit. So I stopped kind of tracking my to-do list in such a way. And recently, I kind of wanted to get back into it. And I know we've talked about Task Warrior before on the show. And that is what I'm using currently to track my stuff for work. And it works fine for me. That's great. Whatever. But I also started to become interested in this concept of time tracking. Time traveling? Time tracking. Mm -hmm. Time traveling? And, you know, there there are some people who track their time because they have to. Like, they... They're built... They, uh, or they're they billing build. somebody by the hour yeah. because they're a contractor or whatever. So they have like a special program that tracks all their movements and stuff like that. Like I'm not interested in that kind of draconian craziness, but I'm just generally kind of interested in the concept of time tracking. So I decided that for at least a week, I was going to force myself to keep track of how I was using my time at work specifically. Mm-hmm. And this led me to find that the people who made Task Warrior have something called Time Warrior, uh-huh. which is basically like a command line time tracking client. And I'll, and I'll link actually, to some other uh, alternatives I, I gave Zathan in this show. Yeah, notes. but I mean, it can actually interface with Task Warrior. So when you start working on something with Task Warrior, if you have it tagged and all that, it will translate that into your Time Warrior tags and all that, whatever. Mm-hmm. Case in point. I don't think it's something I will stick with long term. I don't think it was greatly insightful. He but didn't there like were it. a well wasn't a fan. I didn't wasn't a huge fan. If I could automate it some, I'd be more into it. Like if I could have it automatically tell when I'm do like in a meeting because I have Zoom open or something, I would be more inclined. Uh-huh. But the thing is, if I missed the start and stop times for an event, I was not likely to go back and fix it, so I knew my numbers were not right. Mm. But there were some things I was really diligent about. In particular. So one thing is we have on-call weeks where I work now. And so I wanted to know when I was on call, how much time was I spending during the course of a week doing on-call things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of insightful just to see, oh, wow, my on-call weeks, I'm actually spending like 35 to 40% of my week doing stuff that I wouldn't have to do any other week. So that gave me some perspective like, because we operate on an agile sort of framework, mm-hmm. which I also don't love, but that's not what this is about. But, you know, so I have a certain number of tasks and a certain number of points assigned to them. And I, I've been averaging a pretty steady workflow. You know, it increased some when I started to get my bearings at my new job and stuff. But since I've kind of found my way around and stuff, I've pretty consistently been doing the same amount of work per that system every week. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. I don't believe in really tracking people's time like this anyway. I think Agile works for some development teams and environments, but I think for operations, it's stupid because I'd say you have an emergency that comes up. Doesn't. What? I'd say even then, for most, it doesn't. Well, I don't know. Plenty of people are doing it, so... That doesn't make it right. But anyway. Right. It doesn't make it right. So the whole thing is... Bad, actually. Uh-huh. 
the whole thing is, you know, that was one thing, though, is, like, I could expect that I should do probably about two-thirds of my normal ticket work, you know, during my on-call weeks, because on-call takes up maybe a third of my time that I would otherwise be using. So, you know, that was kind of interesting. But the other thing that I found is how much time I spent doing documentation was another thing I tracked very closely. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that I'm actually, I already am under-documenting. Like, for the things I'm developing and working on, I'm not writing enough documentation. Mm -hmm. Is it over or under 50%? Of my time? Yeah. It's like 5 to 10%. Wow, okay. But it makes you kind of think. Like, I started thinking, like, what if I just had one day of the week you know, 20% of my week to just do documentation. Like, what if that's all I did on Fridays, was document everything I worked on that weekend? That's what Friday is supposed to be, anyway. So. Yeah, well, like, read only Friday. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, it's not always like that everywhere. And, really right, that. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, I mean, it just got me thinking about, like, what if I was a manager? You know, like, oh, ideally... God, the thought. Yeah. Ideally, though, I mean, I should be really thinking about that. Like, when I hire somebody, I should make it clear to them that, like, I know in my brain they're not going to be with the company forever. They're going to want to leave or move on. Or we should just mm-hmm. assume that they won't always be there. Therefore, I want them documenting their work. Therefore, I should make sure that they have a sufficient amount of time to document their work. And what does that actually look like? Now, for different people, it might be different. And for different types of documentation, different projects and stuff like that. But I don't know. It was just, it was insightful, but not in the ways that I thought or had hoped, I guess. You know, I was really hoping that it would give me some kind of uh, mechanism for sort of determining how to be more productive because, I don't know, I would say I have a lot less fires to put out at my new job, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Right. My stress levels are definitely lower. I spend a lot less time working. Like, I work more of a normal week now, which is good. Yep. But I also, I have become so accustomed to being driven by the constant need to do things that there are some weeks when I feel like it's really hard to, like, chill out, keep well, not to chill out, but to actually be productive oh, okay. as much as I oh, could be or should be, you know? Because it's like not everything is a fire. Right. So well, then and, you, and I'm you don't so know how to prioritize to everything else. Well, no. I don't know how to prioritize it. And it's just like, oh, well, I don't have to do this today because it's not actually well, broken. It's just like what normal people should be doing. You know? Right. What's the saying? What's the saying? If everything's a fire, nothing is? Yeah, pretty much. And that's. How my old job was. I mean, everything was always fucking breaking. I mean, it's exhausting. Like, no I don't kidding. know how you handle that, you know? And that's the thing, too, is like, I'm not sure how much of me is still kind of recovering from that burnout, honestly. That's going to be a while, Jadon. I really feel like you're going to be recovering from that for a lot, much longer than you think. Like, I only took a week off between my jobs, and I really feel like I could have taken like three months. Yeah. <laughs> you, honestly. you probably could have. You probably could have. You probably, you probably, sh- let me rephrase that. You probably should have. Mm. Yeah. Like, I'm just getting back to the point now where I'm starting to actually want to do, like, computer things for personal projects. Right. <laughs> like, I don't resent my fucking laptop at 8 <laughs> o'clock at night. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, eh, not, like, a super insightful thing necessarily, but I thought it was an interesting experiment. I may try, like, another week, you know, in another month or two when I've been at the company even longer. I have a better sense of what's going on. You know, I'm more proficient at the things that I'm doing on a regular basis just to see how those numbers shift around and stuff like that. But I'd be curious about that as well. Obviously. I guess that's kind of my, my 15 clams is like, I would not recommend time tracking as an all the time thing unless you're somebody who really finds benefit from it. But if you've never tried it, just really commit to doing it for like a week or two and see what kind of interesting things come out of it. Hmm. Now, hold on a second. Let me ask you this. 
when you're talking about time tracking, like how diligent were you? Like how deep did you go? Did you like fight? I did 15 minutes of documentation here. We had to go like, deeper. You, yeah. <laughs> like no. how deep did you go in that? And I know we're, I know we're like an hour and 20 minutes of the ride yeah, or whatever, yeah. but. It was basically from yeah. nine to five. Like when I was working yeah. during the course of the okay. day, I tracked everything I did. And I tagged okay. it. So documentation had a documentation tag. And then if it was also associated with a given project, I gave it that project tag. Okay. So like at the end of the week, I might have documentation, you know, Red Hat 8 migration, mm-hmm. just to pull from our episode as a topic, right? And then I might also have documentation, you know, salt stack improvements. Okay. But I also kept track of things like, okay, I go get a cup of tea twice a day. How long am I actually taking to do that? Because right. sometimes you get up, you go to the kitchen, you do a couple of dishes. You I make thought you were going to say you do a couple lines. No. <laughs> what? But, but I mean, have coke on the brain. What the hell, Brent? Are you yeah. trying to tell us something? I think that's... Are you a cokehead? I think I brought Where did up. my voice go? All of a sudden I lost my voice. I don't know. Where did it go? But the whole thing is... Cokehead. The whole thing is it's I actually... You know, most days, yeah, <laughs> it was just like go get a cup of tea and whatever. But like yeah. there was one day when it was like my tea break ended up being like 40 minutes of my day. Right. Because I went and I got distracted and I pet the cat and I peed and it was just like time I never would have ever thought about. Like, it's just something you do. Now, again, that's kind of why I don't like time tracking, because I think you should afford yourself that time in the middle of the day if that's something that you want or need. Well, but if it were 40 minutes every day, all of a sudden, by the end of the week, you're talking about like almost five hours. Well, which is kind of a lot. I really feel like. You know, there's this mentality in the United States, and I don't want to, I don't want to derail us too much on this, but mm. I feel like there's a mentality in the United States that if you're not at your desk from nine to five or whatever your schedule is, you're not a good employee, and that's ridiculous because the human body is really not designed to sit in one spot for eight hours and not have to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's much more reasonable to say, okay, every hour get up and walk around for ten minutes, and if you do that, you'll spend eighty minutes walking around. Right. You know. Yeah, right. And so you taking a 40-minute tea break isn't, in the long run, isn't really that big a deal because, you know, you're not getting up every hour for 10 minutes. You're getting up every, like, three or four hours for 10 minutes. And so you're not actually hurting yourself as far as that's concerned if you do the whole 10 minutes an hour thing. And this this sounds like... There's also... Hold on. This sounds like bullshit, but... But I, I promise it's Brent, true. In his fucking troll voice. Yeah, I know. Brent, I know. I don't know what's happening. It Sorry, sounds guys. like bullshit. Sorry, guys. It sounds like bullshit. Are you dying? No, I'm not. I just. Do you voice... want me to come give you mouth to mouth? No, definitely don't do that. Oh God, no. I, I don't know. My voice just suddenly died for some reason. That's so weird. It is. That's so weird. It's man. super weird. I feel fine. That's I don't know what's weird, going on man. here. Oh my God! What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Take another hit off the doobie, man. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. So it sounds like bullshit. But typically when I'm up and away from my desk, I'm still thinking. And I'm still like... Yeah. You know, and like, especially with developers, they need that time to think. Yeah. If I'm trying to think about documentation, for instance, I'm doing a lot of thinking while I'm walking, thinking about things I still need to cover, stuff like that. Well, so, the other thing I is agree like... I that too. I agree there with were that some, too. There were people in my past who perhaps took more notice than they should have that I often went out to lunch. Uh-huh. But there is nothing wrong. There is nothing no. wrong with leaving the office to go get lunch. No. Nothing. There's Anybody not. Anybody who tells you differently needs to sit on it and spend. 
That but is ridiculous also, to force your employees to stay at work. No, you can't even, I don't think. But No, you, you can't. The other part but of it is, my point though you is, know what I'm saying. most days I would be walking out the door and one of my coworkers would be like, hey, you going to lunch? I'd be like, yeah. They're like, all right. They pick up their coat and come with. And guess what we ended up talking about at lunch? Work. work. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Time. Yeah, pretty much. So it's, so it's like... Yeah. It's like a, and normally you wouldn't be talking about work or thinking about work when you ate lunch alone or whatever. So it is like an increase in productivity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you were actually being more productive, Jathan. In some ways, yeah. So I think it's just important to keep those kinds of things in mind. Yeah. Anyway, TLDR, keep track of your time sometimes, see what it looks like, find things that take more time than they should and find a way to streamline them. Find things that you're not giving enough time, like writing documentation and make sure that you communicate that with your team. Like, hey, guys, I need more time in the course of a month to write documentation. Every other Friday, I'm going to be unavailable. I'm just going to write docs. You know, whatever. Friday should be read-only Fridays anyway. Yeah. That's my opinion. Or, or technically write-only, but, you know, you get the point. What, whatever. All right, any closing whatever. remarks besides patch your shit? Use signal, use tour. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess I want to just latch on really fast what Jathan said. Like, if you're... Just because you're not at your desk doesn't mean you're not working. You're not thinking about work. You're still engaged. Your mental thought processes are still working. You know, even like there's the thought after work. So, I mean, realistically, your boss should have that wherewithal or your, you know, whoever signed your check should have wherewithal to know that, hey, just because so-and-so isn't at their desk doesn't mean they're not engaged in the job. Right. Yeah. Right. That's all. And if you're an, a, it's if also you're a boss, then you know you need to pay attention to that shit as well too. Well, yeah, I was gonna say if you're a boss, or even if you're just as a coworker, like there's no, you should never look at one of your coworkers and be like they're not doing enough work because you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Right, you have no idea what they're doing. I mean, it's one thing but, if you're working on like a collaborative project or something like that, and you're clearly they're not pulling their weight, but like you know, like I, there's lots of other people at the same level as me at my company, and you know, I have no idea what they do all day. But that doesn't mean they're not doing anything. <laughs> Fair enough. I I have people that I work with too. I'm like, what do you do? Okay. Yeah. I think on that note, we're gonna we're gonna end this show. This has been Citizen Ministry. I'm you. I'm Jonathan. Here comes the goo. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>